Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen. What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project Podcast. I am here in the studio today with Mike Pedigo. And short intro, but we are going to dive right into this whole episode is going to be about shore running, which is a term that Mike actually, I think, coined. I feel like you coined that. I, I think I was I starting to dive into the, the <laughs> idea and then you coined the term. But. All right. Well, I'll, I'll take the credit then. So I coined the term. But um, yeah, it, just kind of like what we have learned because both of us have just kind of walked through, I think Mike did about a month or two before me, but now we've both kind of walked through and seen the matrix on this whole thing. And it's, it's incredible. Um, so yeah, today is a dedicated show about shore running with Mike Pedigo. What up, dude? What up? Stoked to be here again. Yeah. Yeah. And we're waiting for the tide to drop out a little bit. It's good. It's uh two and a half feet, nine seconds and we have an epic battle out back. But, uh, um, let's start with the race. You just did the foil outlet race. Good yeah. job guys for putting that on. How was yeah, it? that was a super fun event. It's been a super fun event every time I've done that. And we're starting to see more talent coming. More people are showing up. The, you know, it's getting, the competition is getting exponentially harder. So it's really hard. It's really hard to keep up with these, the young guns that are just pump and cardio monsters. So yeah, you um, say I that we got fourth. I did. I did. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah. I pulled it together. I'm, I'm holding my own, but um yeah super challenging really cool event they also did the expression session which i thought was a great move in the right direction i would as much as i enjoy the pump race i would much rather see like a true foil surfing competition um so i think it's a step in the right direction i think we'll see more of that and um go that way and it'll it'll be better for the sport i had a thought this morning i always wake up with um something my subconscious has been thinking about and my thought this morning was Here's what I think the event is. It's a race. It's a da- it's a shore running race, right? Like because Ooh. I think that no one wants to run back along the beach given the choice. Yeah, I mean, I think I hate running. I, I my, my goal in the ra- in the race is always I don't want to run. I'm just going to pump back, regardless of how hard it is. I still tend to recover easier from a hard pump than a run. So, so here here's my thought. It's a shore running race, but in the middle there is a surf zone that the judges sit in front of love it so you can (laughs) you can choose if you want to run through it trying to win the race or if you want to you know flow through it a little bit yeah still moving down the course but yes i love it and so you've got what like 200 300 meters in the middle somewhere yeah whereas riders enter you know you can get scored on your run through that zone yes which uh, would might change the way people approach it. It would be really. Maybe it might change the gear they ride. I mean, that changes yeah. that changes a lot of things for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where do you want to start with runners, man? Such oh a man, deep game. Well, first of all, I want to bring up the fact that the last time we did this podcast, the last time we did a podcast, runners got brought up, and your sentiment on runners has completely changed since then. Because I I recall last time, I feel like I was kind of calling you out on how you didn't always want to do shore runners. You know, when the conditions were perfect for it. And now watching your vibe around shore runners change so much. And the fact that we're doing a podcast 
<laughs> directly devoted to it shows the progression you've had in shore runners lately. Well, you know, up until about two months ago, <clears throat> I just felt like it was like, hey, do you want to go run four miles with me and race? <laughs> like, no, not, not really. <laughs> right. I mean, I used to be the guy who'd go to the gym and I would like sit on the exercise bike for like seven minutes and ride, you know, like 80 RPM before I'd work out. Right. Like, yeah, that, that's me. That's my cardio yeah. game. But now it's not cardio. Right. And that's it's what's changed. changed. It's changed a lot. Yeah. And now, you know, 10, 15 minute runs are not even, I, mean, I don't feel mm-hmm. even close to tapped out. I'm more tapped out after a two minute surf run now right. than a 10 or 15 minute short yep. runner, which is wild. So wild. So wild. Um, so uh, I should also mention that uh, Damo, uh, my son Damo is in the studio right now and he might chime in a little bit because he is on the curve of learning runners and has been doing really good um, in his conditions, which are a little, a little bit different than ours. But um, all right, so let's start with runners. What are your big aha moments over the last little bit? Over the last little bit, um, I mean, there's been aha moments from the very start of runners. Let's start there. Oh yeah, we could start right from the right from the top. I mean, I started dabbling in runners not long after I started foiling. Um, on our coast, we typically get pretty frequent side shore winds that create some sort of energy that goes down the coast. And at some point, you know, I was probably just super foil frothy. The conditions weren't great, and I was like, oh, I'm going to go out anyways. And I realized, like, oh my god, it's so much easier moving with the wind just a little bit Mm -hmm. so i started doing like little beach runs where i would you know link up five waves on on my old neil pride glide or something and then i would run back up the beach and then i started thinking well i wonder if i can just get my wife to drop me off like you know a mile north and over the course of an hour you know run down and um started doing that and the cardio is so huge in the beginning but it was still super fun and um and then it's just evolved where I remember my my very first one mile run and you know basically like coming off foil and like dry heaving and laughing at the same time because I was so (laughs) stoked that I made a mile you know like I went a mile down the coast on foil like at the time that was epic and now I'm like disappointed if I only make a mile you know yeah in in a chip so it's definitely changed a lot um gear has been a huge part of the change for me I mean coming from lower aspect thicker foil section wings and trying to do runners um to higher aspect thinner more efficient wings that carry speed easier um that's been a big game changer but i think mostly the game change the the bigger aspect of it is just the mental side of it and learning how to read the energy and knowing where you can capitalize on energy and when and making the right decisions um i mean it's such a deep game it's huge my entrance into runners was similar and yeah you, you just get tired of trying to stay in place on certain days mm-hmm. so you yeah start, it's not worth it some right. days like there's waves but it's just not worth trying to sit on a break and it's so hard it's as easy as it is to pump downwind it's equally as hard it, it's equal like proportionally harder to go upwind so like right. <laughs> to try to stay in one place and pump up when it just makes for an exhausting session so it's like you might as well just go with it yeah and then I got the uni 210 mm-hmm. right and then the 190 and and both of those started carrying glide but st- even with the, those wings i hadn't really tapped into near as much energy as actually in the ocean i mean there is 
exponential more energy in the ocean on those days on every day. I mean, what I've tried to do lately is just, I'm doing runners on days that aren't runner days, just seeing if the same techniques and, and ideas apply and they do. do. Yeah. I mean, two days ago on a straight East wind, I just did a mile and a half fine. And and a mile and a half run for me is from the house to the pier. And it's about as far as I want to walk back. And so did that no problem the other day on a day that was not, there was no angle to it whatsoever, Mm -hmm. which was crazy. And we'll get into all those, those techniques, but, and then once Mike, so Mike and our buddy, Jason and Brian, like actually Brian was ahead of us. I think Brian was seeing matrix a little bit before with the downwinding Mm -hmm. Um, and trying to keep up with everybody who has better cardio than I do started to get really frustrating for me. Like I just didn't, I just felt like, God, we're going out here just to race and like, it's going to be a three mile sprint. And I just wasn't really that into it. And then seeing Kahi when Kahi came and actually getting to follow him on the boat or the ski and see what he was doing was like, Oh man. And so after watching him in person and then going back and, and the Simeon came on the podcast and it's not downwinding. There's a lot that doesn't apply from downwinding, but a lot does. Mm-hmm. And then I, I hit a day where I went out and I just I was just really tired. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to see how far I can go without pumping. Like, I'm not allowed to really pump. One pump, two pumps to a connection. I'm just going to go see what I can do. And, you know, first two or three runs, just like one or two connections. And then all of a sudden, because I had limited myself from being able to pump to connect... I started looking for energy differently and then it started to click for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was probably a month and a half ago. And ever since that day, once I saw that, once I saw like, Oh, wait a second, like, and, and maybe their gears helped, you know, the, the, the Takuma 1095 is amazing mm-hmm. for just the efficiency of it. Right. Um, but once I had that moment, I realized that this could become something that's not a cardio game. Mm-hmm. And then I got really excited about it. Yeah. And now it's not, you know, I just did like a 15 minute run, um, almost four miles the other day. And I had just gotten to the takeout spot. I could have kept going, which was just wild to yeah, think about. Yeah, it's a great feeling. Oh yeah. my goodness. You're like, I don't even know if I want to get out yet. Right. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about it more technically now. Let's get a little bit more granular. Um, run us through a run. What are you looking for? So whether the... Um, our coast faces directly east. So um, my favorite conditions are a, a hard north-northwest wind would be probably my most mm-hmm. ideal conditions. And in those situations, when you're pumping down the coast and slightly offshore, the wind is perfectly at your back. Mm-hmm. And as long as there's enough north in there, you're going to get what we're calling seams. So we've got whatever the underlying swell is that's coming and actually breaking. And then we've got um, a mixed wind swell in from the side shore winds, which creates the seams. And it's it's using those two things together that makes the magic. Right. Yeah. How do you do it? Like, what are you looking for in a run very technically? Um, condition specific? No. Or technique specific on yeah. the waves. Okay. You've I just mean, chipped. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll chip in on basically whatever. Like it doesn't even matter. It's just get on foil. So I think it hugely matters. For me, the first chip is, I mean, I just want to get on foil. If, it, if it's big and gnarly and there's a lot of whitewash, then the chip does matter because I want to get out of the whitewash. But for me, for the most part, I, I'm just kind of whatever I can get up on and I'll, I'll just get going. 
my goal on the chip is to get out the back in the least amount of effort. Sure. Because if you get caught inside, then you're starting from a deficit. Yeah. Like if yeah. I get a 30, it, 45 second hard pump run into waves to get out the back, now I'm starting from a place where I'm already taxed yeah. from a cardio that's a, perspective. That's a good point. That's a good point. I guess I'm thinking about like the smaller days where there's a lot of angle mm-hmm. and like where I'm at, I feel like there's a little more angle than there is here on the on, north. On the north for yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's like pretty much, it's like almost any wave I chip in on, there's if there's an angle on it, then there's a shoulder to go to and I can get out pretty easily for right. the most part, unless it's bigger. When it's bigger, you definitely have to be more mindful of the, of the, of the chip. Right. Yeah. Cause you don't want to set yourself up for that gnarly 30 seconds through whitewash and funk. Yeah. Okay. So you're up. All right. So I'm up. <clears throat> um, I want to get out back past breaking waves. So I don't, I, I, I don't want to be on the inside, right? There's more energy options when you're out of the froth of breaking waves and it's there's less turbulence you've got clean water i can depend on that so mm-hmm. immediate goal get outside a little bit yep. um and then i'm basically ping-ponging back and forth between looking for actual swell that i can ride down the line and seams and what i mean by that is i'll take a line on a swell and i'll ride that line and at simultaneously i will be sizing up all the seams that are at the crest of the wave and behind that wave. And my goal is usually use the use the swell to get as much speed as I can and then pull out on just the right moment to where I'm pulling out on a seam. And when you do that at just the right timing, there's no pumping to the next wave, yep. to the next swell, I should say. So I will ride, I will pull off of a swell, ride a wind chop seam to the next wave and ideally there's no pumping at all and then you just do a top turn on that swell and you do the same thing and it's effortless when all when it all comes together yep that's um pretty much exactly the same way that i see it the my game has kind of inversed where before i was looking for swell and my goal was basically to pump use the wind to pump from swell to swell. And I had this issue where because I didn't understand the seams as well. So there's some days where the seams are super defined and that's mm-hmm. a really easy day to know where you're at. Um, but on the days when the seams aren't quite as defined, I had this bad habit of pulling off at the wrong time. And then basically you're pumping Working. uphill. Yes. And one of the things that, you know, Simeon, Jack, Kahi, everybody has said, and I didn't understand until probably about, I don't know, a month or two ago, was that it, it's good to work backwards. Mm-hmm. So before I always thought it was, I was trying to get down the beach, basically never wanted to move back in the swell. Sometimes it's not worth it though. It's not, well, it's, it's not worth just going straight downwind and digging after the bump that's right in front of you. Well, and it's depending on the foil that you're riding, you might not be able to pump yeah, uphill. Yeah. Right. You know, you know, and, and what you said about clean water is really important. Like Mm -hmm. even on the 1095, if I'm in turbulent water, there's a lot of slippage on the pump. Sure. So you're losing energy. You're going slower. It's going slower. You're getting closer to stall speed. And if, so I've inversed looking for swell to looking for seams and swell is about going fast. It's about power ups. I, I look at it like a, like a game where you have, like three things that you're juggling at all times. And, and one of them is your cardio. You have a cardio limit, you know, like in the middle of a runner, I can probably do a solid 30 second pump. But after that, I'm starting to get really tired. Um, you've got the seams for energy 
and then you've got the swell for energy. And so you're balancing how much cardio do I have? So you're thinking about like that kind of force, like dropping every time you're pumping, uh, along with where is the energy. And sometimes you trade pump for distance, cardio for distance, and sometimes mm -hmm. you don't want to. Um, and now I look at the, the swell unless every once in a while here on the certain, the certain right angle, you can get a, like almost like a block, block and a half on one swell where you're just flying right, 22, right. 23 miles an hour. That's insane. But most of the time now I am looking for the swell just to get me back up to that 18, 19 mile an hour range where now I have a lot of range on the glide. Mm -hmm. So when I kick out, I've got, I don't know, like a solid five, six second glide, even without a seam to get, to get farther out the back. Um, and hopefully you're hitting that seam and then you're getting extra glide. So, so all your distances are relatively shorter based on a cardiometric. Um, and then, yeah, you're kind of ping ponging down the beach. Um, that, that seems similar yeah, to how you do it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I just thought about something. I want to bounce back a little bit and mention, um, in the progression of shore runners where gear has come into play for me is on how my, the ability for me to capture the seams. Mm -hmm. So like yep. in the early days, um, I wasn't able to really ride seams based on the gear I had, I would get a little bit of it, a little bit of energy from them, but eventually, I mean, inevitably the seam would outrun me yep. because my gear couldn't quite keep up with the seam. Yep. And you know, I was all like, okay, I want to be on a big wing. Cause that makes sense. Right. Like you want more lift and you know, lower speed, easier mm -hmm. glide. But the problem with the big wings is they don't keep up with the seams as well. Yep. And it all depends on, you know, the specific swell and what the interval is too, um, and how much the wind is. But for the most part, like that gear evolution to where, okay, now I'm on wings that are able to ride the seams in between these swells. So then it became, instead of just pumping, you know, riding down a line and pumping to the next swell going downwind, now I'm riding another wave to the next wave. Right. Whereas in the past, it wasn't like that. So that, that, uh, the gear change opened up that option more. Yep. Yeah. And, the tip about always moving back is it's interesting because generally speaking, you know, swell acts different than the wind bumps. So the wind bumps is, you know, a lot of people have said on the show and, um, you know, James Casey has said this to me too. And it's, they are rolling backwards. Kalama was the first person to, to kind of say this where the, the bump you're on is going to disappear and it's going to be behind you. Mm -hmm. And so being comfortable aiming for the bump behind the bump on the seams and then knowing, having a feel for when that bump is starting to disappear and instead of going forward, peeling back again mm -hmm. to and get the, the next And the timing one. on that. Yep. Yeah. The timing, understanding when that's happening and doing it early. Like before I used to try to milk every little drop out of every swell that I was on. Yeah. But it's much more efficient to do it with speed. Do it while you have the yep. speed already yep. Yep, and keep the speed. Yep. I totally agree. Um, yeah, it's, it's so rad. My favorite moments in runners are when you see the seam and then you see the bull that's coming up and you see the wedge forming yes. in the bull ahead of you. Yes. And you know that you're going to basically get to back. And so this is a little different than, than downwinding in that like there are moments when you just enter like, the best surf waves you see because mm -hmm. you're able to like connect on the wedge behind the wedge and then you come through with all the speed and then you can decide 
well, do I want to surf right. this or do I yeah, just and keep that, running? There's another point. I mean, we kind of take two different approaches to shore runners. So it's, you know, you, you can have a shore runner where you're going for the chess game of distance versus cardio and glide, or you can go, you know what, I think I might put my more surfy wing on and mm-hmm. I'm still going to go downwind and do a runner, but I'm going to hit some sections. I'm going to rip some turns, right? Like, so you can take two different approaches, a surf runner or a distance shore runner. Yep. And, and I, I love both. I mean, I, yeah. I, I kind of integrate both. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Like, and there's moments even during a distance one where it's like, when you come up to that perfect section, like yep. if you don't wrap it at least a little bit, like you're kind of blowing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will surf longer. Every once in a while, you'll find yourself kind of like in a dead spot of seams and maybe you've pumped out a little ways and and now you're just not finding the energy and we've got a pier kind of in the middle of our runs and so weird things happen before and after the pier and and so some and then you've got the pier bowl which is like a really good surf wave um so a lot of times if i don't see the energy on the seams then i'll ride the swell longer and surf just buying time basically yeah for Um, sure yeah. And you know, what's crazy about this is you realize how much energy we burn surfing, you know, yeah. like I'm much more tired after like a surf wave than after mm-hmm. a pump run. I've actually had <clears throat> pump pumps back out on hard surf days where the pump felt like the break, yep. not the wave. Yep. <laughs> like it's like, okay, I'm pumping. I'm getting, getting my zone, like get that maintenance speed, take a break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas, you know, two years ago it was it was kind of the opposite feeling for me, but yeah, it's an yeah. interesting thought. Um, let's talk about body management in runners. And I'm sure a lot of this will overlap with downwind, but there are some spots that I will cramp before others mm-hmm. that I start feeling it. And I've created some um, postures or changes to, to mitigate that. What are you feeling and how do you deal with it? Um, first of all, I think stance is hugely impactful on fatigue when it comes to doing distance pumping like that um i i prefer a pretty narrow stance like i've seen some footage of myself like man i'm 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 basically standing shoulder shoulder width apart you know like and that's not my not always my go-to surf stance i do occasionally surf in that stance but um for the most part that's a that's a pumping maintenance Mm -hmm. stance where i feel the most efficient um i i just i've noticed over time that i get fatigued much much quicker if i try to pump in my surf stance Mm -hmm. Um, i feel like you have you're capitalizing on your leverages better when you're in that position um and the kind of the reps that you're doing the cadence you know it's just easier to continue um that cadence and energy output when you have a closer stance and i'm also trying to balance my my foot pressure out Mm -hmm. um you know, I mean, my, I remember my back leg used to burn out super easy when I would, when I would pump in the early days. And now, uh, and then I started moving my back foot up, which helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Now I move both feet. I really, I just wiggle both feet around until I feel like I have that perfect balance of pressure when I'm pumping. And there's always a little bit more for me, at least on my back leg, the calf. Yep. Cause it's that last little bit of the pump where I'm bringing the heel off the, off the board and I'm not necessarily doing that with my front leg. So there is a little bit more burn on the back calf, but otherwise I, I mean, nowadays I feel pretty balanced on, and I just put my, my feet in the position where it, 
lends to that balance of pressure. Yeah. So I agree with all that. I've gone really narrow stance. I move my front foot. I mean, I, I ride with the front foot back pretty far now, uh, especially when I'm surfing. But on runners, I go even farther back to try to get that weight forward. Um, back calf for me kind of is always the weak point. Yep. But I think it's twofold. I think it's the pump. And so now a lot of times on runners, I'll exit with speed and I'll um, purposefully not use my calf on the pump. Mm. But the other thing is, is that if I'm doing a south runner, so I'm going right, 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 right down the beach, um, the whole time you're riding a wave, you're stabilizing the inside rail with your back foot pushing on the calf. And so I actually learned that if I go much farther offset, I'm most offset that too. now yeah. when I'm doing runners on the rights. On the left, you know, you're not tiring out your calves in the same way for me because it's backside. But if I move my back foot, um, front foot way far back to get the, the balance equal and then back foot really close to the rail, yeah, it takes a lot of that pressure off. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. My stance is kind of offset across the board a little bit mm -hmm. so um whether i'm doing a runner or surfing my stance is offset so i kind of forgotten about that detail but i i totally agree yeah yeah um which that's actually a few months ago that's how i started kind of like playing with offset stance more was to you recognize it on a runner yeah yeah I recognize it on a runner right. and then i liked the leverage point and i'm not as offset as you but um yeah it does it does help in moments mm -hmm. i'm not as big of a there's times I like to be more centered too. Yeah. It's been a weird evolution, but I'm, I, uh, I used to try to fight it a little bit. I naturally uh -huh. gravitated towards slightly offset. And I was like, why am I doing this? You know, like, and then yeah. I, I've, I, uh, kind of over the past six months just decided I'm going to embrace it because that's what feels natural. And I, I have no regrets. Yeah. I mean, as that hideously ugly board in the garage shows, <laughs> Mike yeah. shaped himself an ASEM board and, it's in the garage right now and and you look at the thing and it just looks like you know you were blind when you shaped it <laughs> oh it's, it's hideous <laughs> or you're like 17 it's, beers deep <laughs> yeah it is uh very aesthetically unpleasing but surfing looks in good in my mind i i don't want to sacrifice aesthetics for i don't want to sacrifice performance for aesthetics so since we're bashing on that board i gotta you gotta at least give me a minute to explain it well it's a cool i mean if you look at your <laughs> surfing on it the proof's in the pudding. Yeah, so, I mean, I, so felt, I, I actually felt like I had a a little bit of a progression bump after I made that board. Mm -hmm. um, so I was spending a lot of time on the 1440, and I was realizing that the wingspan on that is is in a way that um, when you're trying to kind of rebound from a, from a turn, so let's say a, a roundhouse, like a cutback, when you're trying to recover from that hard turn and go back the other way, I kept finding that I was putting my back foot all the way on the inside rail, like to where my toes are basically hanging off. And I would do that, like it would kind of naturally happen. And I realized I was doing that because I needed to put more torque on this giant wing to make mm -hmm. it, to make it work. But the board I was riding at the time, like, I was like, man, I, I kind of feel like I need more room out here. You know, I could use more foam out here to, to get that leverage. And I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go make a wider board. And I'm like, well, I don't really want just a wider tail, mm -hmm. you know, like, I'm not using the foam on the other side. I only need it on my toe right. side. So why am I going to make a bigger touch point on my heel side that's going to dig in, you know, on heel side turns when I don't need the foam out there? It's like, okay, well, that's what lended me towards the asymmetric design. So basically I'm 
taking foam away from the side I don't need it and I'm adding it to the side that I do need it and I love it I it's kind of, I, I feel like it might be kind of hard for me to go back now on that's my crazy. personal boards that's great is that the only board you're riding right now yeah I'm riding it for everything so I I, I designed that board for the 1440 thinking this would just be a wing or a board for the the giant wings and then I tried it on the 1210 and I was like oh and then I tried it on the 980 and I was like, oh, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm into it. Like, this is, this is for me. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, when you, when you scroll through Instagram, if you start paying attention to people's stances, there's a lot of guys that are offset and they might not even realize how offset they are, but I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with it, you know, like on yeah. this little offset dive. So I pay attention to it and there is a, there is a evolution. I think it kind of naturally happens to some guys where they, they just tend to want to go more offset. And I don't think it's as crucial in the small wings. Like, um, you know, when I'm towing on smaller wings, I don't find myself wanting to go as offset because those wings just roll easier. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's interesting. I I agree. Um, and I'm definitely more offset than I used to be. But there's certain things that I like being centered on my board in foam. Yeah, um, there there are some there are a couple downsides to the offset. I think one of them is certain parts of a foam hit um there's the so the front foot um inside rail is a weak spot mm-hmm. so that rail could come up because you don't you're using the torque on your back foot to, for that side but if you don't want back foot pressure then that just that lends itself to like a more of an opportunity to taco in some situations the other downside i think is is pumping and it doesn't matter as much on big wings but on small wings, like uh, when I ride my 980 and I'm pumping really offset, I get this wobble that yep. it's not worth it. So I, I, but I just recenter. Right. I just wiggle my feet over. I recenter. I get on a wave and then I go a little more offset again. So something I was just thinking about as you were talking, I hadn't had this thought before, but I think one of the reasons I might not need to be quite as offset, and now some of the stuff you're doing is super radical, but I unweight turn to turn. So basically. Um, the whole, and I did that dive on, you know, like what we called flying the foil at the time, but using the foil in the arc. And and now when I go turn to turn, I'm loaded super heavy, but right at the end of the turn, so I can get that recovery. I basically allow the board to come up. Um, so I'm giving it space with my legs. And when I move the foil from heel side to toe side at this point, there's almost no weight on it at all. And so it flies really quick. So I don't need that much pressure. I'm not doing a lot of pressure getting the foil to dive in um, because I'm not weighted in those moments. Yeah, you're like a kind of a weightless transition yeah. from rail to rail. And I think that works for my stance yeah. where I don't I don't have to like crank on my toes. The only time, and it's interesting because um, when I ride bigger boards, sometimes I will, I don't know if anyone else this happens to, but my back toe... So like I've been riding the Kalama downwind board a lot. I love it. Um, I will push my back toenail through my toe, mm-hmm. getting leverage on that board. And I've done right. it like three times in the last couple of months. Super painful when it happens because yeah. it always gets infected every time. There's yeah. no way. And then I'm doing surgery in the middle of the night, like cutting back. See, like, but if you if you were more offset, yep. then you wouldn't have to put as much pressure on, on that, that toe board. because yep. you would have you'd have the the leverage just from where your weight's placed versus right. you're you're trying to make all of that you're trying to get the leverage through your toe right whereas i'm like shifting my whole foot over right 
because on that big board, you can't release it and roll it the same way I do on the little boards. Mm -hmm. Because on the little boards, I have no pressure. Like I just kind of roll it from side to side. Damo, let's get you in here for a second. So you have just had a huge breakthrough in the last couple months, especially in, get a little closer to the mic, especially in the the run times and distance. And I think that has happened through you embracing the 120 and you're light, you're about a hundred pounds and having a wing that has a low enough drag to where you can overcome that in the pump. Maybe talk a little bit about the foils that you've ridden and, and how that um, efficiency balance has worked in your favor and now you're starting to do like incredibly long runs, like half mile runs kind of on lock at this point. Yeah, well, definitely more efficient wings are way better for me because I can, as you said, overcome the drag with my weight. But, you know, when I was riding those less efficient wings, it was so hard for me. And I got so frustrated for like a year because I just felt like I wasn't getting better at all with pumping. But mm-hmm it just goes to show that the equipment that you're riding is probably like equally as impactful as how good you are at foiling. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that for you, no one's solving for a hundred pound person. (laughs) There's no one out there designing for that. And that's something that I've mentioned now. Um, Maybe we should do a Grom wing. Anyone out there thinks that a part of this Unifoil project, we should do a Grom wing. I don't know if there's five people who want that or a hundred (laughs) people who would want that, but I selfishly would love to be able to help in designing a wing for, for demo. But if there's other people out there that would be stoked on that, like hit me up so I can have some ammo to hit uni with. Um, but when you're doing runners, um, how are you seeing them now? You're, you're at a different point in the learning curve than we are right now. So you're kind of in the um, intermediate phase. Yeah. I'm definitely further back than you guys, but, um, yeah, it it's pretty hard for me to see seams right now. Is it? And just connecting from wave to wave, it feels like I'm actually like pumping all the way through compared to you guys just gliding through it. Yeah. Um, when you're looking for seams, um, do you feel sometimes when you're it feels like you're pumping uphill or you're pumping downhill? I feel that sometimes. Yeah, that's going to be the difference in being on a seam and not a seam. And a lot of the days that you're out there aren't the big ones. Um, it's it's really hard for demo and heavier winds or bigger surf to do the runners because there's a lot going on out there so it's more on the smaller days when the seams aren't quite as good yeah um yeah what um what are your favorite things right now in in foiling you just had well and it's a sad day right now demo broke his foot a couple days ago so he's out of the water for the next few weeks at least which is you just were on that tear of just foiling every day with me I just got like three big breakthroughs in a row. What then, were they? Well, with pumping, of course, this like more efficient wings and just it finally clicked for me. And then uh, the other big one was just turning. Mm-hmm. I finally like started trusting the wind, uh, the wing more and like started putting more pressure on turns instead of doing these like weird trim turns that I was trying to do earlier on. Yeah. And you just changed your foot stance a little bit too. talk about that. Uh, when I'm pumping, I always move my back foot up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whenever I get on a wave, I move my back foot back and my front foot back a little bit too. What's the difference in feeling on that move? 
Um, I think I just have more leverage and I can crank turns harder yeah. when I move my feet back. Yeah, and it shows. I mean, like your last month has been like really cool to watch because I you just learned so fast. It's kind of shaken up the crew a little bit. We're a little bit worried. <laughs> foot broken foot's like. There's <laughs> yeah. my chance. I gotta get this. this yeah. <laughs> um, right on. All right. So what haven't we covered with runners, Mike? Thanks for chiming in, Bob. Yeah. Um, I think we could dive into gear a little bit more because I had some insights recently. Um, so I've been doing, I've done runners on basically every wing I've had. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, lately I've been enjoying runners the most on the 1095. Me too. And, um, I've chatted with some guys about the 1095 versus the 1440 on runners. And I think the 1440 is also a great runner wing, but I think it really depends on the conditions because, um, so whereas the 1440 is not going to stall out as easy, you're going to have, um, super dependable pumping at low speeds. It doesn't keep up with the seams in the same way that the 1095 will. So if your goal is truly effortless gliding from swell to swell using seams, I think the 1095 is a better wing. Mm -hmm. And that's not true for all conditions. There are, um, I did a short runner the other day on the 1440 where the seams were really close together. They were pretty small. They were just a little bit slower moving, and I could keep up with them mm -hmm. in those conditions. But anything more, it was right on the edge, though. Anything more than that, the 1095 would have been the better wing for me because it keeps up with that energy better. And there's obvious, obviously there's the, down, the downside of, well, you have to really manage your speed well because if you find yourself on the 1095 trying to pump uphill... I mean, it's, it's probably going to, it's either going to end in a stall or it's going to end in you being extremely gassed. Right. Yep. So, but I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, just the mindset is for a lot of people, I think is, oh, a bigger, a big wing that's efficient. That's what I need. Right. Well, I mean, it depends, like it depends yeah. on the energy you're trying to capitalize on. So I have the 1440, I mainly wing on it mm -hmm. or sup on it. Um, I think that's going to be my sup downwind foil but the 1095 for me seems that i get the most cardio benefit mm -hmm. you know and so where and, and actually there's another wing that i love and that's the cabrina 800 the cabrina 800 on runners when there's enough energy is wicked because it's that much more efficient than the 1095 mm -hmm. so you can i mean you're i can go downhill on the 800 i can pump from bump to forward bump really easily if i can if i have speed i can go through two or three bumps on to get to the one i want right the 1095 is a little bit harder to do that mm -hmm. on just because it's you know that much more drag a little bit slower even though it's an incredibly efficient wing what's blown my mind though and where i'm playing right now is on tails on runner on the 1095 right and i use two different <laughs> tails um and this is actually another interesting thing and in how nuanced our sport is the first 178 tail I got, I think was pre-production. I got another 178 tail post-production and they're not exactly the same. <laughs> no one probably would notice, notice this, but, but a few people, right? But they're not exactly the same. The cord is probably two mils shorter on the new tail. And the profile is probably, I don't know, one mil uh narrower like uh thinner mm -hmm. that make a difference 
huge difference. Yeah, huge I agree. difference. I really prefer the old tail, which was what blew my mind. When I looked at the new tail, I go, oh man, this thing's going to be amazing. The old tail, somehow the way that it has that extra downforce, stall speed is probably a mile an hour lower. And so I oscillate now between the Gen 1 178, which gives me incredible low end, just like a really, it's a slower um, tail, but it gives me so much low end and it just feels really, really stable and locked in, just easy pumping. And then the KD13R, which is really, really fast. So if there's more energy, I'm on the 13R because I can cruise through it so much better. Is that the one that was downstairs? The, the KD that you just looked yeah. at? Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah, super thin looking, fast, like section. Super fast right. tail. Really fast. Like when I first got that tail on the 1095, I didn't enjoy surf. It's what I surf on now. I didn't enjoy surfing it because it was like almost too fast. Mm-hmm. Like it was like I, I hadn't mapped it yet. I like the 178 more because it would kind of, it was more comfortable for the speed that I wanted to surf mm-hmm. at. But now I've switched and now I like right. the, the 13R. But. It's cool that it's that much different on the runners between the two tails. Mm-hmm. And I'm shimming when I do runners, I shim for almost no lift from the tail. I want the fastest setup possible. And then I adjust my stance to that. And that gives me more efficiency um, moving through. Cause I want distance. I, right. everything I'm, I'm doing is like, I want as much distance out of a pump as possible. Yeah. And then the speed ranges that we go through on runners. And this is something we haven't talked about is, you know, you're from nine miles an hour to 23, 24 miles an mm-hmm. hour. And so you don't want something that is overlifting or pitchy because on the days that it's chest high and we yeah, you get ruined bump, when you get those to those top speeds, you're yeah. going really fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, I've messed with tails quite a bit lately. Um, so I've been making it. One yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'll, yeah, I've, I've been on a, a little bit of a tail dive lately. I typically for surfing prefer, so if I'm talking about my Takuma setups, I've got this special tail I've made that shortens the fuse length basically. Um, and oh, that's- hold on. Shameless plug for Mike. Can I say this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, Mike's tail has been, he's been making them for folks. Um, they go really, really, really good. So he's doing a production batch of them right now. So hit up Mike. I don't know, there's 25 or something like that coming. So hit up Mike, get a reservation on that if you want. Flyline Productions, at Flyline underscore Productions on Instagram. Buy his tail so he can keep making rad stuff for everybody. Right on, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm super stoked about that. I've been hand-making them for a while, and um, that they, they're they working great. But it's to try to like truly perfect a handmade tail is is really challenging so well, and just the work of it too. yeah i'm, I'm kind of over just sanding carbon <laughs> like day after day it definitely gets <laughs> it definitely gets taxing so yeah i spend a lot of time on that tail um when i'm surfing like that's to me that's that's my surf tail like aggressive surf tail um and i was using that tail kind of across the board i can still totally do shore runners with it um but on the 1095 for doing a shore runner, if I'm really going for distance, I've put in the 178 back on. Yeah. Because that fuse, that extra fuse length and the being able, the ability to stretch out the pump does make a difference. Um, I uh, before the pump the pump race, I made a tail that was basically the inverse of the shortened fuse tail. So I had an extra two inches of difference on the the uh, distance from the front wing to the tail wing. And I did some testing with that, doing dock starts and stuff. And it's incredible the amount of extra 
kind of drive you can get at speed. I feel like with a longer fuse, it's easier to, to me, it feels easier to maintain a higher speed pump. Whereas the shorter, the, the tails I have that are shortening the fuse length, I have no problem pumping them, but I don't feel like I'm reaching the top speeds as easily, um, you know, with the same cadence, like it's the changes, the cadence, it's kind of like changing your gearing ratio. Having said that, there are some downsides I've felt to that longer fuse length. And uh, especially like with the 1440, um, the controllability at low speeds is different. And I like the feel of a shorter fuse setup tail, like I'm talking about, in, in the way of being able to pull off of a wave and quickly pump, quickly turn. Like I kind of, at some points, that high cadence, lower gear feel is nice because it means, to me, it means more control, like right out of the gates. But when you're at that maintenance speed, the longer the longer fuse tails are definitely going to be more efficient. I mean, if you think about it, it makes sense. It's like wave period. It's a sine wave. Yeah. Longer fuse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kane talked about that on a yeah. podcast where he's talking about like stretching out a line. Like you're, yep. yeah, if the, if the waves of up and down pumping are stretched out, then you're essentially going to cover more distance yep. per the amount of time. Yep. Yeah. Actually, and, it, and it's noticeable, but I mean, there's... I, I just I love the feel of that shorter fuse tail on in surfing. So I'm 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 looking at conditions now and going, okay, what tail do I want to ride today? Yep. You know, if I want to bash lips and do super tight turns, I'm going to be on my surf tail. Yep. Um. You know, here's something I'm going to say. I have been testing a bunch of different masts. A stiff, longer mast for runners is far superior. Um, you know, I'm riding, uh, 80 no limits right now. I was testing the Sadris. I just had to send that back. Um, that was shorter though. And I really prefer the longer mast and I really prefer it being stiff because there's so much more trust that happens, Mm -hmm. you know, in the surfing, but also in, in the running, um, and being able to never, I mean, like, because I guess I'm so attuned to 72, 75, uh, masts. I rarely breach now when I ride the 80, 83s, you know? And so that used to be an issue for me at times. And now it's like... More room for forgiveness. It totally makes sense. Yep. And a lot of times when we're doing runners, you're kind of on a bump or you're on a swell and it's starting to close out. And so you have a pretty sketchy kick out kind of through a lip because you're locked into a pocket. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's a place where just you know, all the, all like that little di- extra distance helps keep your tips in the water. So you're not losing efficiency on those next pumps. It doesn't mean that you're not going to make it, but when you do have those little vents, now you're losing efficiency. Now you've got to build back up speed, clear the wing. And then all of that, I feel like just adds to that cardio pile up yeah. that starts hitting you farther and farther. Right. Yeah, I agree. I'm not a fan of super flexi masks. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I won't dive too deep into that, but um, I definitely like a stiffer mast for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some. You also like masts and fuses that fit together. I, I do. I really <laughs> prefer that. Yes, and I will go to extremes to make that happen. Yes. Talk, talk about that little adventure right now a little bit. I mean, like, um, yeah. All right, if we're gonna dive into it. We're gonna dive I into. I think it. it's interesting. I mean, it's like, yeah. So I I love my Takuma wings. I love the way they ride. Um, I'm not. I'm not really a fan of the the Takuma mast right out of the box. Um, 
I think that um, I, I make it work. I make it work fine, but I think that they're more flexible than I would like. I think they're a super efficient mast. They move through the water really fast. Super fast. Yeah. But the way I'm, you know, applying torque to the foil and the way I pump, I mean, I feel a wiggle and it's, it's, I would rather it not be there. Mm-hmm. I want a, a very stiff mast that's got a little bit of a, a quick spring to it. So like, I like that, you know, there's with carbon, there's a, there's a certain flex characteristic I feel in carbon that I think is beneficial at some points, but there's a line that there's a line on how, um, you know, where, like how beneficial the flex is. Um, so the, as far as the connection system goes, um, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how Takuma missed on this so much. I think they need to pay their, but, <laughs> um, manufacturers as much as they pay their designers. <laughs> yeah. like, the design is so it's beautiful. It's such a great wing, it's and so it's good. the it's to be to be honest and blunt about it. It's it's those are my favorite wings and my least favorite connection systems across the whole, like, the, yeah, all of all of yeah. my wings. Everyone's jerry rigging it together. Yeah, <laughs> um, the mat the fuse connection doesn't fit into the wing. Like you have to either sand down a ton. And I'm talking new to new. So like I could have a aluminum, an aluminum Takuma mast and a carbon Takuma mast, both of them brand new, a brand new wing, and they're not going to fit on both, on both masts. Like I have to do things to make them fit on each right. one. So I can't use them interchangeably. So I can't go, oh, I want to ride the aluminum mast today. Maybe it's going to feel more stiff. I can't just take my 1095 and put it on the aluminum mast because then I would have to sand the crap out of the inside of the <laughs> wing. And then when I go back to the carbon mast, I'm going to break bolts off because it's going to be putting all the pressure on the bolts instead of the fuse. So there's some, uh, there's some quality control issues there that I think should be solved for, it for sure. It is super funny. You, um, you broke your mast. Yeah, and then I was like, "Yeah, come, come borrow mine." Um, I guess I was still down in Costa Rica when this happened. Yeah, so you came up to borrow mine, and you got my mast, and I had a broken bolt in it from the yeah. loose connection. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, set me up for that one. Yeah, so I fixed that, and then um, I molded my wings to your mast. Right, and then I got a new mast, and then the wings didn't fit the new mast. So I had to sand down the inside of every one of my wings and remold to the new mast I got. Oh. And no, and you never did anything to your mast to change no. it. I stock. mean, it's just, it's just a stock mast against a stock mast. And it's just not, you would hope that one brand would be interchangeable within one brand. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you did, you, you got me on a, yeah, you got me on a, on a wormhole here. I'm trying not to bash too hard, but I love the wings, but the, the connection system. Well, we just said tough. like 20 minutes of really awesome things about Takuma. That's true. Then. That's true. Having said all that. It still I, is worth it. <laughs> I, having said all that, I am still loving Takuma yep. and those are still my go-to wings. And yeah, I just make it work. I've found ways to fix fix those issues and I just go with it. I'd rather not have to fix those issues, but yep. yeah, here we are. That's good. Um is there anything we haven't covered on runners that wasn't really runnerish? But what else is there that would be helpful for folks wanting to get into this? I think recognizing your con- the opportunity, like mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I know and we know our coastline so well, mm-hmm. so we know what to look for. I mean, everybody's kind of got a different coastal situation, but man, look at it, like 
when the winds go inside shore, like, what do you see? Do you, sometimes you can see seams just stand, you know, looking at the surf, yep. like, and you know, like we, we can look and know like, oh, this is going to be a good day. Okay. So here's something cool that we could talk about. And that is what are your favorite runner conditions? Because they're probably not what people think they are. No. Like, yeah. I think my favorite runner conditions size wise is probably waist to rib high. Like yeah. not much. I don't, I don't, I actually don't enjoy the shore runners that are like head high as mm-hmm. much as I do the smaller ones. Um, and I think, I think part of the reason for that is that the speed differences in the speed range is so dramatic that, um, when you're on a head high day, you're, you're still on gear that's capitalizing on the seams and you have it dialed in a way where your pumping is really efficient. And then you, you rip down the line of a head high wave and now you're just hanging on and it feels like you're barely in control sometimes on the head high days. Whereas the waist to rib high days, I never get those speedy lines where I feel is out of control. So I think it's just a more, in that, in that smaller size range, it's a more manageable speed range. Does that make sense? It does, but I, I, I agree with kind of your size range on what you like, but I think it's for a different reason. I think it's because when it is that, I would even go a little bit smaller. Like one of my best runners was on like a knee high day, but it was just a super suck up, you know, three feet at five seconds or three feet at close interval yeah that's the other thing the all the bumps and the shorter the period for us the more angle you can get on the swell Mm -hmm. so and typically the steeper the seams are with the with the shorter period wind swells yeah the one day that we were winging is the uh, best bumps i've ever seen insane Uh, like yeah yeah, i could have gone forever on a prone runner yeah i think at some point we're going to put real distance up Mm -hmm. you know i think in the next year yeah, it's almost going to be like on the right day, kind of going to be able to stay up. I don't want to say as long as you want, but yeah, for a long time. Yeah, I've done a couple like ten mile runs down the coast, and when the conditions are right, I can think of a couple where it was like, man, I could keep going, but I'm I'm here. Like right, I'm, four four you know, is your four four is my my single wave, my single chip. Yeah, PR for a runner. And that, even that one though, I, I was at my spot. Like yep. I was, I was at my pullout spot. Like I could have kept going. So we just need to look at conditions and then pick, pick like a true point A and point B. I'm, I'm looking for like a 20 miler, you know, like that, 25, yep. like fully on foil the entire time. Yep. So, I mean, <clears throat> Hannah Park or Matanzas to Hannah. The problem though is it's some, you know, like even well, the then we got to cross do. the Volano inlet, which would be challenging. And you're going through an inlet. Well, you could start on, you know, this side of the Volano Inlet. Yeah. So, so you start Volano to yeah. Hannah would be a good run. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I said Matanzas. I meant yeah. Volano. Um, yeah. The, it's interesting how you learn like the different bars. Like I do the same run. Basically, Austin Tovey lives up about five and a half miles from me. And so the common run is like house to house for us here. Either mm-hmm. you're going south or you're going north. And so, I've become really accustomed to where all the bars and where the deep spots are. So I know where I'm going to need to save cardio a little bit to get through certain right. spots. And yeah, they you've got do the change. pier in the middle and you got to decide if you want to shoot it or go around yeah, it. There's some weird dead spots on that run. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting one. Well, cool. Anything else you want to add before we go, go send it? No, it's looking, looking sendable somewhere. Maybe not there yet, but... We got about another hour on the tide. Yeah. 
Um, so hit us up, guys. Question, comments, feedback uh, on this show. Uh, if there's anything that we missed, we can we can do it at a future date. Uh, Damo, thanks for being a part of it. Thank you. Uh, you guys have fun. Project Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen.